0: The Hong Kong stocks, futures markets, pointing to a gain uh, of about 600 points at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening. Please do join me again tomorrow from 8 o'clock when we'll be closing the 24-hour charity auction and we'll tell you on air, live, how much we've raised. In the meantime, please keep giving and donating. Stand by for back chat after the news with Janice Wong and Jenny Lam. Quick update on the weather forecast: cool, cloudy to overcast, one or two rain patches. Temperatures going to be around 16 degrees during the day. It is going to be rather cool tomorrow morning as well, and then temperatures will rise progressively over the weekend. The temperature right now: 16 degrees, 76% relative humidity. Just gone 8:30. Here's Todd Harding with the half-hour news. A senior fellow from a Beijing-based think tank says former President Jiang Zemin will be remembered for overseeing China during a time of impressive economic growth. Mr Jiang died yesterday in Shanghai at the age of 96. Einar Tangan from the Taihe Institute said the former leader was known for being outgoing, willing to engage with others and a departure from the usual stone-faced party member. He said it would be interesting to see how a person of his stature is honoured, given that Xi Jinping has changed the party significantly since Jiang's era.
1: I do expect him to be fully honoured. They don't want to be seen as saying, oh, well, we didn't like this leader. We're going to cast him aside. But it'll be very interesting to see what speeches are made, what essays are written. What is published in things like Chosher, which is the party organ that expresses the thought of the standing committee. So it's yet to be seen, but definitely this will be a solemn occasion. He's part of China's history.
2: And going forward, I mean, he's he's one of the building blocks, if you see where China is today.
0: Two people have died in a, at a fire in a building in Wan Chai in the early hours of this morning. Firefighters were called to Camlock Mansion in Lockhart Road at about three o'clock and took about an hour to put out the blaze. A 30-year-old man was found dead at the scene and a man thought to be in his 50s was declared dead after being rushed to hospital unconscious. The head of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, says the US central bank may soon be in a position to begin slowing down the pace of interest rate hikes. Rates have risen by 75 basis points for each of the past four months, as the Fed seeks to curb the highest inflation level in four decades. Mr Powell said the higher borrowing costs were having an effect, although hikes are likely to continue. The time for moderating the
3: pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. Given our, price, our progress in tightening policy, the timing of that moderation is far less significant than the questions of how much further we will need to raise rates to control inflation and the length of time it will be necessary to hold policy at a restrictive level.
0: Buckingham Palace has announced the resignation of a member of the household who repeatedly asked a black campaigner against domestic abuse which part of Africa she was from. Ngozi Fulani, who's British, described her encounter at a reception on Tuesday as a violation. The BBC's Sean Coughlin reports.
1: This embarrassing row has blown up after an event at Buckingham Palace hosted by the Queen Consort at which a black British guest was repeatedly asked about where she was really from. And Ngozi Fulani, who set up a charity for black survivors of domestic violence, had told a royal aide that she was born in the UK and worked in London, but the questioning persisted into whether she was from Africa. A witness described the conversation as offensive and unwelcoming. The palace has responded rapidly. The royal aide involved has stepped down and expressed profound apologies.
0: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong. And I'm Jenny Lam. On today's program to mark World AIDS Day, we're talking about Hong Kong's goal to eradicate AIDS as a public health threat by 2030. The objective was laid out on Tuesday in a five-year strategy released by the Hong Kong Advisory Council on AIDS, in line with a goal set out by the United Nations Programme on HIV and AIDS to end the disease as a public health threat. So far in the first
5: nine months of this year, Hong Kong recorded 3 307 new HIV infections, of which 53 involved a diagnosis of AIDS. And homosexual contact among men make up a high proportion of AIDS in, of HIV infections, followed by heterosexual contact and drug use via injection. So what are the main challenges in
4: eradicating AIDS as a public health threat? Can it be done over the next eight years? After 9.15, we'll look at the government's plan to revamp cross-harbour tunnel tolls.
5: So let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us on backchat at or give us a call on two double three double 266
4: now, joining our discussion this morning, we have in our Admiralty studio, Jason Chan, Program Manager for Testing and the People Living with HIV Service at AIDS Concern. And on the line, we have Dr. Patrick Lee, Chairman of the Advisory Council on AIDS, and Professor Chen Ji-wei, the Director of AIDS Institute at the University of Hong Kong. Good morning to you all, and thanks for joining us on the program. Um, good, morning. Oh, good morning. Let's good morning. Um, let's start with you, Dr. Lee. Your council's uh, five-year strategy stressed the need to eradicate AIDS as a public health threat by 2030, how difficult would you say this task is?
2: Well, we are making uh, progress in uh, the available treatments uh, so that now HIV infection is no longer. Um, in- curable disease uh, we can still we can uh, if we have effective treatment to uh, the infected individuals they can have very well suppressed virus level and their condition will stabilize and they can live a long life and they will have a lower chance of transmitting the virus to others the main challenges that we have is that we a lot of people are still not coming out for testing and also uh, uh the um the threat from the virus is still low in some communities, so that they do not take the uh, necessary precautions. So, we need to work harder to reach out to various um, high risk groups and also to expand uh, access of, to treatment and also to testing.
5: Yeah, so um, in your report, you've identified six priority population those include men who have sex with men and, and sex workers transgender people who live with people with HIV and drug users etc but but ethnic minority um, why ethnic minority well
2: we've witnessed that uh, there's um increasing uh, level of infection uh, among the ethnic minority, and they have uh, relatively less uh, uh, access to information and support. And uh, we have to try to reach out to them and establish uh, a channel for uh, communication and intervention so that we can provide them with the necessary assistance to prevent infection.
5: Um, so as far as access to prevention, uh, uh is is concerned. What are some of the difficulties? Uh, Are some of these people not able to access the preventative um, prophylaxis measures?
2: Well, I think the first uh, uh, barrier is the access to information and also whether they um, can access to Use of uh, preventive measures like a condom, and also to be aware of uh, sexually transmitted infection, that so that these can be treated early. And um, uh, I think at, mo- at the moment they are really uh, not very well. Uh, we don't have a very well structured. Uh, um, access program to reach out to them and uh, we have witnessed an uh, increase in infection among this group so this is a uh, priority area that we think we need to uh, work on
4: Right. and so, uh, let's uh, go to professor chen Ms, Ms, uh, professor chen good morning yes good morning um, so so with the advances i was just wondering in, in modern medicine what's the actual percentage of hiv cases that uh, develop into full-blown uh, aids uh,
1: currently because of the uh, availability of the antiretroviral therapy uh, as long as infected individuals are uh, taking the drug on time and also according to the uh, doctor's uh, instruction, uh, usually they can live a regular life like normal people for like over 30 years and, or even longer. So the chance for them to develop a full bloom AIDS, uh, the chance is much low, lower than before.
5: So how? Uh- Easy or difficult is it to access these pre and post exposure prophylaxis drugs in Hong Kong?
1: Our current situation is the you know the government's strategy already providing the pre exposure and the post exposure prophylaxis. And uh, and also, there's a uh, several local non-government uh, organizations. Uh, they are also reach out for the uh, communities who need the help. I mean, the high-risk populations, as you mentioned earlier, the men who have sex with men is one of the major targeted population uh, for those. And uh, usually, the, uh, there's also hotlines uh, for them to reach out. Uh, I think uh, uh, we have done quite a lot in this area to promote uh, the pre-
4: pre- prevention like this. Right. So so for Hong Kong to um, be able to eradicate uh, AIDS as a public health threat uh, in eight years' time, um, Professor Chen, what needs to happen? Are, are we going to rely on um, medical advances uh, yeah. or or like uh, Dr. Liu was suggesting, we need to uh, uh, provide more uh, access to information to the public?
1: I think first of all, we have to uh, continuously educate our people and uh, telling them HIV is still with us. The pandemic is not over yet. At the same time, we have to enhance the diagnosis to ask people who had risk behavior came out for testing. Uh, if we can achieve over 90 or 95% of the people who already become infected and been diagnosed on time and the treat them uh, with the antiretroviral therapy and at the same time make sure the treatment is very very effective then the chance for the secondary spread of the infection will be decreasing will be you know decreasing significantly that actually is what we see in hong kong during the past years after the treatment as prevention has been implemented, uh, the annual frequency of the infections has been
6: reducing.
1: Right. Let's
4: go to uh, Mr. Chan um, now. Apart from being a uh, program manager at AIDS Concern, you're also a social worker. Um, we've been talking about uh, um, increasing public education, increasing uh, people's access to information. Um, or, or is it difficult?
3: Um, actually from our frontline line uh, experiences that uh, currently the problem that we are facing is about the stigma about HIV in our society because uh, when we talk about uh, when we talk to our clients uh, some of them uh, avoid to do the testing or they avoid to ask about the HIV status of their sex partners one of the reasons is because Uh, They somehow think that HIV is a social taboo that cannot be talked publicly. Even they they come to our centre for testing, um, they can only know the results by themselves, but they cannot uh, uh, accept to have a uh, testing with their sex partner together because they will worried once they are test positive and someone knows that their HIV status, they will be stigma in their social life.
5: What about what about sex workers, Jason Chan? I, I, you know, I just happened to. I, so this morning, I googled HIV test kits uh, in Hong Kong, and actually, they they look a lot just like um, the the test kits that we now use to test uh, coronavirus. But they're expensive; they're, they're like hundred and fifty dollars to more than two hundred dollars. Is that stopping people from testing?
3: Um. Actually, our our there are several ways that people uh, right now in our society can access to this kind of self-test case. Uh Purchasing by themselves uh, through some online shops or some convenience store in our, um, our society is... Uh, Available, but at the same time, for some uh, high-risk groups that we are talking about, such as MSM uh, or ethnic minorities, actually the government has funded to the NGOs to do deliver some free uh, self-test kit to them. the so The problem is uh, how we can reach them, and do they dare to uh, take the kit back home? And uh, because some of them, we worried. Uh, what if my family's members find that I have taken an HIV kit back home and they will ask a lot of questions. It's also about the social taboo.
5: So, Dr. Patrick Lee, any suggestions as to how to make that not so much a taboo to be tested for HIV?
2: Well, first of all, we have to try and uh, reduce the stigma and also discrimination against those who are infected and also those who have, who might be at risk of HIV infection. And uh, the first, impo- most important thing that we have to enforce is the message that um, if you have effective treatment, then uh, the virus level can be driven down to an undetectable level and then you will no longer be able to transmit the virus to others. So this message of undetectable equals untransmissible is a very important message really to uh, um, bring across to the public and also those who are at risk. And secondly, uh, as Professor Chen has mentioned, if you are able to uh, have effective treatment and uh, the infection is diagnosed early, then the virus is, when the virus is controlled, then the health will be stable and you can live a relatively healthy life um, as as long as the virus is under control. Um, so I think uh, we also have to try to um, enhance the um, um, knowledge and perception, uh, the attitude of the workers who are actually trying to assist those um, vulnerable groups, including ethnic minorities and also uh, 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 those of uh, different sexual orientation, to be sensitive to their perception so that they would be willing to come out for assistance. And uh, as you mentioned just now, the uh, self-testing, uh, we are trying to, uh, different modalities of um, access to treatment uh, testing, including testing and uh, centres, uh, our um, testing programme and also self-test kits. But uh, I, I think we need to also reinforce the uh, support network uh, for those who are te- undergoing testing so that when they are found to be infected, they know what to do.
5: So uh, for people who are at risk of exposure, how frequent should they be testing?
2: Um, We would recommend at least uh, uh, twice a year, uh, if not uh, at least once a year, so that they would um, uh, detect the virus infection early. But certainly if they have any infection, including uh, any symptoms like um, um, a sexually transmitted infection, they should also uh, become test, go for testing and have the sexually transmitted infection treated because sexually transmitted infections also uh, um, make a person more vulnerable to HIV infection.
4: And how how accurate are these uh, self-tests?
2: Uh, Self-tests actually are quite uh, accurate if you follow the appropriate steps, uh, more than 97-98% to 98% accurate. Uh, of course, uh, usually for those who are tested positive, we'll uh, arrange a confirmatory test with the laboratory and uh, that can be arranged free of charge uh, through the um, NGOs and also the government services.
5: Um, so, Professor Chen Jiwei, um, I, was, I was reading on the, the, well, this is the U.S. CDC website, about, about the treatment, about the uh, antiretroviral therapy. Now, it seems to be saying that only, and, and you mentioned earlier, only if the patient take the drugs as prescribed uh, will it help them. Otherwise, there's a risk of the virus actually mutating. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Uh, Yes, the viral mutation is one of the major uh, mechanisms, you know, causing the trouble for uh, people under the treatment. Uh, This applies not only for HIV, but also for like uh, currently the antibody treatment for uh, COVID-19, the same thing. And uh, uh, so far, actually, uh, in the field of HIV research, there's over 30 uh, antiretroviral drugs available. And also through the years of the improvement, currently, uh, patients, if they only take one pill per day, they can manage well in terms of the full suppression of the viral replication in their body. And recently, the further advancement is the long-lasting drug made available. And if the patients, they take the medicine like once every month or even longer, they already achieve the better control of the viral replication. So in my opinion, as long as the treatment, you know, made available, and most importantly, the infected individuals are willing to come out for testing and take the drug on time. And should be, you know, their life should be managed very well.
5: And this is to prevent And this is to prevent the infection progressing to become AIDS, is that correct?
1: Yeah, eliminating the source of HIV is very, very important. You know, the source basically are mainly the infected individuals. So if the infected individual are taking medicine on time and properly, usually the chance for them to spread the virus to healthy individuals will be much lower.
5: Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Lee, you know, I mean, the coronavirus has showed us these are not local problems, for spread of any kind of virus. These are global problems. If we manage to do well in Hong Kong, um, how do, I mean, you know, this is Hong Kong's goal, uh, how, how does that align with the rest of the world?
2: Well, I, I think we've recognised that uh, the epidemic in different parts of the world are interlinked, and uh, of course, uh, uh, the most important thing is to um, allow our local uh, residents to be aware of the threats of the infection even though we're now all focused on coronavirus, uh, we we need to remember that HIV is still an ongoing threat uh, despite having the infection, uh, finding about the infection since the 1980s and um, so after the awareness, uh, we need to increase the uh, percept risk and also the uh, um, inclination to take preventive measures and have those measures um, made available to them. And finally, uh, to have uh, regular testing if they are Having uh, risk behavior, so that the infection may be diagnosed early and treated to prevent the complications.
4: And uh, Dr. Lee, when we look at uh, the data in Hong Kong uh, over the past uh, six years or so, it, we can see that uh, HIV infections in Hong Kong has been uh, falling. Um, how would you describe the situation in Hong Kong?
2: Well, we were seeing the uh, trend of um, decrease uh, in the infer- infection identified. That's an encouraging sign. But we are also aware that, that we have uh, some uh, um, new developments which might uh, uh, bring risk to increasing infection in the local community, including uh, some change in behavior. For example, uh, use of online uh, channel for um, uh, communicating with sex partner, and also use of uh, soft drug uh, at the time of sex that might reduce their um, ability to take preventive measures. And all these, uh, and, may also, and also some evolving infection in uh, new groups, such as the ethnic minority, may uh, increase the, the risk of infection. And also we have to be vigilant about the uh, situation of HIV trafficking infection among injectors because uh, at the moment we have been uh, successful in uh, containing the infection in this group, but uh, we need to be vigilant so that there will not be an outbreak which can be quite uh, serious.
4: Right, right. Mr. Chan... Um Doctor Lee here. He's just uh, talking about some of the new developments. Uh, have you have you noticed any new trends in uh, HIV and infections over the past few years?
3: Um, actually, in the past few years, we can find that apart from using condoms or uh, or some other preventive measures, more uh, people are start to consider to take PrEP, which is the pre-exposure medications to prevent HIV. And what we can do are uh, Uh, In our society is uh, if it will be better if we can provide some more uh, support for them to access to these kind of medications because right now in Hong Kong if they want to uh, uh, access to PrEP in Hong Kong uh, the price is still very high for some uh, teenagers or some uh, young adults Um, and then uh, a lot of people they will try to access PrEP uh, through uh, in other countries such as Thailand which is much cheaper Uh, however uh, not many of them Know that uh, they they have to um, do some uh, medical checkup before taking PrEP to, to um, pro, pr- protect themselves. That's why in the in the coming few years, uh, we think that the NGOs in Hong Kong and also the government we can try to think of how we can um, uh, provide more support for people accessing PrEP, including the self checkup and also uh, uh, to lower the price or stable the price of PrEP in Hong Kong for the for the uh, high risk communities.
5: When you say expensive, how expensive is it? Hello uh, yeah Jason Chan, when you said prep is expensive, how expensive is it?
3: um actually, in Hong Kong, if you want to get prep in Hong Kong, the cost are uh, if you get from some private doctors, it will take up to like uh fifteen thousand uh dollars per wow. bottle, which is thirty pills uh If you excess uh, the prep through NGOs, it takes about uh six thousand to eight thousand okay uh. But uh, if, if they get that uh, through some, uh, uh, in Thailand, they will be lower as like a few hundred per bottle.
5: So PrEP is the pre-exposure prophylaxis. Professor Chen Jiwei, $15,000, yes. that's not what most people can afford.
1: Yeah, it is so quite expensive,
5: yeah. Um, so what, what are the, some of the suggestions that, that you might have um, to make it more accessible, to, to lower the price? Why, why is it so expensive?
1: You know, uh, the the progress, as I mentioned earlier, you know, in this field, using the long-lasting drug as prevention is also one of the major strategies currently being developed. And uh, if, you know, one injection or one, uh, 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 I mean, the one injection of long-lasting drug can last for a few months, then certainly the price will be reduced substantially. But this is uh, still waiting for be implemented for the community use. But in terms of the research and uh, for the clinical trials, we already see such kind of a long-lasting drug already very effective for the pre- prevention.
4: Right, and uh, and uh, Mr. Chan um, earlier, uh, Doctor Lee was talking about uh, how uh, one of the groups uh, Hong Kong should focus on are ethnic min- minorities. Um, have you have you uh, been in touch with some of the uh, ethnic minorities? I mean, what's their view on, on this um, HIV infections and uh, the situation?
3: Actually, for the ethnic minorities that we come across with in Hong Kong, we our uh, majority clients of our agency is some domestic worker and some Africans in Hong Kong. Actually, oh. our, in our frontline experience when we uh, chat with these clients, they will have a lot of myths about HIV. Uh, such as some of the African will think that HIV is the punishment from the God instead of uh, what they have done through uh, uh, intersexual behavior and uh, if we do not provide correct uh, knowledge about HIV and AIDS to these uh, clients uh, we can hardly to to push up uh, to brush up their testing rate and also uh, the second reason is uh, in among the culture it is a le- little bit difficult for uh, for example for the females to raise the uh, um uh if they want to use a condom it is a little bit difficult for, for them to voice, voice out to their sex partner uh, like, such as their husband
5: um, and, and so what are you doing in terms of um debunking some of those um falsehoods
3: Um, Actually, in our agency, we are providing some outreach program and also uh, some health talk to these clients to educate them what ACE is and uh, what we can do uh, how they can protect themselves. For example, uh, for the domestic worker, for every two years when they're back to their homeland to meet with their husband, uh, they usually, they will have sexual behavior. Uh, however, it is very difficult for them to control if their sex partner have other sex partner uh, in their homeland when they're out of their hometown and uh that's why we will, we will try to educate them you can do like self testing uh before having uh, sexual behavior with your husband after 2 years uh you leaving the hometown
5: okay what about what about young people how how should we promote this kind of um education among young people in hong kong
3: actually uh we are happy to see that uh, among the young people or adolescents in hong kong these years they have a, a much higher awareness about sexual behavior and also uh um, acceptability to discuss about some uh, SCI or uh, AIDS issues um, which is a good thing because there are a lot of Instagram pages are uh, talking about this kind of information uh, among the teenagers uh, but in general, uh, the the biggest concern among the adolescents will about pregnancy instead of HIV or STI because for a lot of adolescents they will think that uh, HIV and STI is not something that will happen uh, among them. It is a, a little bit far from the discussion to be honest. That's why uh, what we are trying to do in our work is uh, we try to raise their awareness to to. Um, about this pr- protecting the, about their sexual beha- uh, sexual health uh, including uh, how to prevent uh, from infecting HIV all
4: right and uh, Dr. Lee we're gonna have to take a break for the news uh, if very shortly but uh, before before we do that um can you just uh, share your view I mean how confident are you that uh, Hong Kong will be able to achieve this uh, goal of eradicating uh, AIDS uh, by
2: 2030 well I think the first um, uh, thing that we need to do is to maintain our current effort to keep the infection under control and secondly we need to uh, explore new avenue of uh, uh, um, intervention uh, not to, only the traditional one but uh, the new uh, avenue such as the, the social media use of key opinion needed to influence the behaviour of different groups and then we have to maintain the uh, local uh, treatment support programme and finally to eliminate stigma and discrimination so that those who are on can come out for testing and support
4: and but what else uh, do you think uh for example what else do you think uh, the government can do to, to assist uh, ngos who who are uh, working on this
2: i think we, we are uh, trying to uh, prepare frameworks that uh uh, how to target the, the problem from different perspectives and then to, because once we have the, the framework then there will be opportunities for bidding funding from the government and other uh, uh, sources to help them in their work and uh, this is the, the the reason why we have this uh, strategy pro- document to um, lay down the 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 general approach that uh, everybody would work together on in the community
4: and what about the myths that uh, mr chan was talking about do you think uh, that that is a big problem
2: Um, Well, uh, the myth uh, might be a problem in some parts of the community, but the most important thing is the um, um, uh, complacency and also the uh, uh, um, resistance for uh, getting information and also coming for testing. And that is stopping people from uh, having effective uh, prevention measures and also having effective treatment early on.
4: And what about the uh, price of uh, drugs we were talking about earlier? I mean, uh, are there ways where we can make the, the, uh, the drugs more affordable?
2: Well, uh, fortunately, in Hong Kong, for the treatment uh, and also the so called post exposure prophylaxis, these are already being covered and subsidized by the government program. And so that uh, anybody who is diagnosed to be HIV infected, if they come to any of the government uh, uh, clinics, they will receive the treatment practically uh, uh, free of charge. Now, for the pre exposure prophylaxis, uh, the Advanced Council and uh made the decision that uh, this is an effective intervention and we need to uh, prioritize those high risk groups to um, uh, issue the program so that uh, we can explore f- uh, modes of funding. To support the availability of such treatment. For right. the other groups, we have to think about other channels and support as the, as
4: the others mentioned. All right. I'm afraid uh, we have to stop you there because we need to take a short break for the news. Uh, thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dr. Patrick Lee, the chairman of the Advisory Council on AIDS, and uh, we'll continue our discussion in three minutes' time. If you have any comments or questions for our guests today, you can email us at backchat.rchk.hk. Now, uh, here's the weather cloudy with one or two rain patches. Uh, temperatures in the urban areas will link around 16 degrees during the day and uh, right now it's 16 degrees and the relative humidity is at 76%. This is Backchat on a Thursday morning with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Jason Chan, a Program Manager for Testing and People Living with HIV Service at AIDS Concern, and Professor Chen Jiwei, the Director of AIDS Institute at the University of Hong Kong. And also joining us now is Ivy Ho, Program Director of the, from the Society for AIDS Care. Good morning, Ms Ho.
7: Uh, Good morning. Hello.
4: Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, So in the first half of the program, we uh, talked a bit about uh, the challenges Hong Kong has to face in uh, trying to eradicate AIDS as a public health threat uh, by 2030. Um, In your view, what are the biggest challenges?
7: Uh, I think in Hong Kong, actually, uh, for the HIV field, uh, one of the one is uh, for the ageing, the ageing uh, patients, living, people living with HIV, for their long-term care and also they, they need to face a certain kind just beyond for the HIV uh, treatment, they also need to face is for their long-term care.
5: When you say ageing, how, how old are we talking about and what kind of special care will these people need?
7: Uh, actually, uh, for example, now uh, for the cases we serve in our agency, um, mostly over sixty percent is age over sixty, even some over age over seventy, or even over eighty. We also face, and most of them um, have more than one kind of chronic illnesses, such as uh, diabetes or also like hypertension.
5: Um, So, Ms Hoi, Jason Chan mentioned earlier that that part of the problem of getting people to come forward for testing is the stigma attached to um, Uh. HIV. Um, Do you find that's the case? And if so, what suggestions might you have to... Uh.
7: Yes, for so the stigmatization also, uh, for the cases, the, the, the cases, uh, the PHIVs also face a certain kind of this problem, especially um, from our working experience. Um, that kind of stigmatization, not just from the community, even from the families, but also from themselves.
5: Yeah, so in Hong Kong, let's, let's go back to Jason Chan. Um, Mr Chan, more than 60% of the... Um, AIDS patients in Hong Kong are men who have sex with men. When you say the stigma carried, does this have something to do with the attitude that uh, Hong Kong has towards LGBTQ people?
3: Um, Actually, in our uh, frontline experience is that um, our... People will think that HIV is a little bit more about uh, homosexual people instead of heterosexual communities, which is also kind of the misunderstanding among our uh, society, to be honest, because uh, in terms of the virus, it will attack any kind of people, uh, uh, but not only about the homosexual people. Uh, but only from the figures, we can see that the of, uh, people we get te- we are test positive uh, are mostly uh, or sixty percent are from the MSN community only.
5: Yeah, so so that goes without saying. The other forty percent are are not um, homosexuals; they're heterosexuals. One um, of one of the, one of the uh, ways, of course, uh, to get HIV is through birth and breastfeeding. Um, how common is that in Hong Kong?
3: Actually in Hong Kong for uh, uh, mother to child infection is very rare these years. Uh, the number of cases is only a single digits every year.
5: And, and so the other vulnerable group would be drug users?
3: Uh, drug users is uh, another uh, major uh, group of uh, new infection people.
5: So how do we reach out to them?
3: I'm um, actually reaching out for uh, drug users is a little bit more difficult than other communities because they are more hidden and uh, for some of the clients when they come to our office, uh, they will not admit that they are drug users to be honest because they uh, it, it, it it needs um, some more time to for us to build up the trust beca- between the workers and the clients and uh, once the trust can be built up, we can try to talk more in depth about the drug use pattern and uh, in particular is uh, after they take the drugs or some alcohol how they can correctly uh, wear the condoms or how they can prevent uh, uh, the infections when they have sex.
4: Right. And Ms. Ho, is this also in your experience as well um, with, with some of the uh, drug users? Uh,
3: for us, uh, I would like to
7: talk about... Um don't have much, uh, much drug users cases in our service but from our frontline service experience just what you mentioned for the mother to child transmission i would like to stress some points here actually um from 2009 to 2019, uh, we have seven babies, infected HIV in Hong Kong, as just mentioned in the strategic paper. And uh, although uh, the infection rate is very, very low, but I would like to stress is, um, because for those seven babies, their mothers just um, be infected during their pregnancy in late stage. So um, in Hong Kong now, we have the universal testing for pregnant women for HIV in the early stage of pregnancy. But we found if the government can put some more resources uh, for the pregnant mother have to have the retest at the later stage, then we can have um, very good will is to achieve the zero baby infection in, in the future.
5: How, how late are we talking, third trimester? In Sorry? How late in the pregnancy are we talking about?
7: Uh, for example, if um, you can get the retest in the third trimester, that means around 36 weeks pregnancy. Because now um, just for those who have high risk you can get the retest, but if you can make it as a universal precautions, then it can help much.
5: Okay. Um, also, Ms. Ho, I'm curious to know that y- you mentioned earlier that some of the AIDS patients in your care, they are over 60 years old. Over the years in Hong Kong, how much of a change in the demographics have you seen in the AIDS patients?
7: Uh, for the people living with HIV, actually, um, we have two streams. So uh, first is for the young people, but uh, as the treatment advances, in the recent um, five years, we can see the trend is uh, we get more and more aging people with living with HIV. So um, they, they need much care for that because uh, from the research we see is um, their aging process, maybe just reach their mid-40s, 50s, actually um, their tendency for aging process or getting one more kind of uh, chronic illnesses, actually <clears throat> they have much risks other than those not infected by, PH- by PHIV.
4: All right. Let's go to uh, Professor Chen for a moment. Um, Professor Chen, wh- what do you think of uh, what we've been discussing? I mean, uh, uh, Ms. Hui here, she's talking about uh, uh, problems in dealing with uh, aging uh, AIDS patients, and uh, also she's uh, suggesting a retesting for uh, pregnant mothers. Uh, what do you think of these, uh, this suggestion? Uh,
1: I think uh, in terms of the mother-to-child transmission, the early diagnosis will be better for the mother to, for the you know, prevention. So this has been scientifically based. Because if the infected individual uh, being, uh, uh, I mean, the infected mother being identified too late, then the chance to give birth to an infected uh, baby will be higher, right? So uh, if government can put emphasis for providing more universal testing at the early stage of all pregnant uh, women, then this can be further reduced. Uh, So far, already single digits. Uh, but uh, the chance for complete uh, elimination of mother-to-child transmission is possible, yeah, as long as we can achieve that. Uh, in terms of the aging issue, we have to face the reality that is because of the antiretroviral treatment right? is made available, then the infected va- uh, individual they can have a much longer life expectancy. That means the carrier, the life, uh, the, the, the time for those Uh, chance will be also increased, but uh, from time to time we know that the treatment, uh, the drug resistance emerge among treated individuals, that means uh, many patients during the treatment they are not really adhering to the treatment very well. That means giving the virus have a chance to uh, blip or uh, replicate, right? So that if that's the case, those individuals with higher viral load will still have a higher chance to, get, to spread the virus to the uh, healthy individuals or their sexual partners. So another reality is uh, we know that from time to, to, to time, uh, elderly infected individuals will find younger sexual partners in the community. That's how the you know they, uh, they give the viruses to the uh, to the younger healthy people right during the unprotected sex behavior. So these areas are still high priority for us to work on. You know to uh, make sure the treated people all, uh, you know has to be have the well suppressed virus uh, so that's the minim- to minimize the
2: further
5: spreading. Right. So, uh, Professor Chen, you mentioned that the mutation of the virus is a, a, a challenge in in this battle against AIDS. As we have seen with the coronavirus, the import of new variant has also been challenging in in the fight against a virus. How much is that a, a problem in the fight against AIDS? Uh,
1: this is uh, uh, the uh, situation. Uh, I, I mean that there's some difference between the COVID nineteen and uh, Uh, HIV. For HIV, currently uh, there are some over thirty some different drugs made available, and also different combinations. And uh, that's why the routine check, uh, follow up the uh, patients under treatment is also very important to monitor the uh, the frequency of the uh, resistant uh, viral variant will emerge. Uh, in Hong Kong uh, through the communication with some clin- clinicians we know that uh, the resistant virus in our local community uh, actually is very low. So that's, very, that, uh, that's a very good indication suggesting uh, the treatment actually is very effective among the people who been treated in our local community. But still from time to time we know that the viral re- replication is a uh, uh, continuous process and uh, that's why the drug adherence is uh, always a challenge for, uh, for the clinicians to make sure the treatment are effective.
4: All right. And uh, Professor Chen, I know you have to rush off somewhere. So um, thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Chen Jiwei, the Director of AIDS Institute at the University of Hong Kong. And uh, and uh, Mr. Chen, um, after listening to what Professor Chen has been saying, uh, what do you think of his his concerns? I mean, there, there are so many drugs available for um, HIV right now, but uh, what, what are your hopes uh, when we talk about uh, the, the possibility of eradicating uh, AIDS uh, in Hong Kong by 2030?
3: Um, actually, uh, when we look at the data in the past six years, we uh, which is very encouraging, and we are hoping that our society, the stigma level can be uh, lowered in the coming few years. Uh, particularly when we're talking about the uh, elderly, our uh, pediatric uh, people, when they accessing to elderly care homes these days is a little bit difficult because uh, when they try to access to this uh, elderly home, they have to disclose that what kind of medications that they are taking. And the staff uh, in the uh, elderly home they will know that uh, he or she is a uh, uh, PHIV. And that's why some of, uh, uh, in our experience, some of the uh, clients, they will be rejected from the elderly home uh, uh, to uh, to admit them into their elderly home for long-term care. And I think... uh, by 2030, what our society can do is, uh, first of all, we have to have a better uh, general education about HIV and also uh, other STI, uh, so that we can reduce the stigma among our society. And by that, we can try to, uh, based on this uh, uh, background, people are, will be more willing to come for testing or discuss about their uh, uh HIV or STD uh, uh, history with the sex partner to confirm uh, if their sexual partner are healthy or not before they have some sexual contacts. And the next one is uh, we try to promote PrEP in our society. And if our government can help NGOs to uh, make people uh, accessing PrEP more easily with a cheaper price, which is a... uh, uh, evidence-based, uh, research-proven uh, method to reduce the number of HIV infection in our, in our society in the in the long run.
4: All right, uh, Mr. Chan, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Jason Chan from AIDS Concern. Also, many thanks to Ivy Ho, program director at the Society for AIDS Care.
0: You're listening to Back Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say.
4: It's now coming up to 17 minutes past nine and it's time to move on to our next topic and it's about the government's plan to revamp cross-harbour tunnel tolls to help ease congestion. Under the plan, private cars will pay $30 for both the Cross Harbour Tunnel and Eastern Harbour Tunnel, which is 20-50% uh, to higher than the current rate. And for the Western Harbour Tunnel, private cars will pay $60, which is $15 less than the current toll. To comment on the plan, we're now joined on the line by Roundtable lawmaker Michael Tien, who is a member of LegCo's transport panel. Good morning, Mr Tian. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So how effective do you think the plan will be in tackling uh, tunnel congestion?
6: Okay, that, uh, just to uh, make the uh, discussion a bit easier, I'm just going to go from the west to the east and then to Hong Kong, the central. Okay. Currently, it's 75 25 and 20 The western tunnel is $75, the eastern tunnel is $25, and the Hong Kong... Cross Harbor Tunnel is $20. In 2019, the government came up with a uh, plan uh, to uh, regulate the traffic with uh, 50, 40, and 40. In other words, uh, reducing western from 75 to 50, and eastern and the uh, Cross Harbor Tunnel uh, from 25 and 20 to 40. Now, at that time, I agree with them about uh, the need to create the impact to achieve uh, a very uh, more spread-out traffic flow. But I think the total came out to be $130. 50 40 40 is $130, which is $10 more than the current total of the three tunnels. And my objection at that time was that their idea should be to regulate the uh, pattern, rather than to uh, affect uh, or discourage people uh, from from driving. Okay, so my position is still the same. Uh, the three tunnels should add up to be 120 dollars, but the current proposal of 60, 30, 30. In other words, uh, reducing Western Tunnel from 75 to 60, and then increasing the Eastern and the Cross Harbour from 25 and 20 to 30 dollars, I think uh, I don't think they would achieve the impact.
5: Right, um, so the Hong Kong Automobile Association suggested that why can't we just charge the same toll in all three tunnels, why don't we
4: do that?
6: Now, that's a very good question. Just like taxi, right? Yeah. How come taxi, we can do uh, the same amount, whatever it is, okay? The same amount across three tunnels, why can't we charge 40, 40 and 40, Uh, across the uh, all three, because obviously cross harbour is the most convenient and technically you should charge the most for the most convenient if you really want to regulate the traffic but uh, this is historical uh, this is a political issue and I think we should not be looking at it strictly uh, academically or you know uh, from a principal perspective Uh, so instead of Uh, equal uh, fair charge for the street, I agree that it should be a significant reduction in the western tunnel and a uh, 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 more impactful increase for the east and across harbor. So I think 50, 35, and 35 could actually achieve a reasonable change in driver behavior Without creating a you know political why storm. do you
5: think that you you just said the the logic is to charge more through the Hong Kong tunnel. obviously, then it'll put people off <laughs> from using it just because it's convenient. why Why do you still say fifty, thirty five,
6: thirty five? No, because I just said, life is not about <laughs> science. It's about politics. It's about how people are feeling.
5: I see. I don't okay. want
6: to have massive resistance., uh, you know, Because if you go for 40-40-40, you're talking about uh, increasing the uh, Cross Harbour Tunnel uh, toll by double from 20 to 40. Uh, It is something that I think it is uh, politically unwise.
5: So the former Chief Executive Carrie Lam tried to push this through, uh, uh, but then she shelved it in in March 2019. Um, How confident are you that it will actually go through this time around
6: uh, we let's go we have uh, members uh, the uh, most of them uh, I believe would opt for a more uh, milder adjustment rather than something that is high impact so my position of going further to 50 35 and 35 is probably a minority voice. I think most would accept 60, 30, and 30. And I believe government coming up with this 60 and 30 and 30 should be a result of uh, having rounds of talks with uh, members from uh, different party. Right. So I think going through LegCo, 60, 30, and 30, probably will not... <clears throat> be met with strong resistance, but I don't think it will create the impact. I think the difference should be more. When I talk to government about reducing Reston to 50, uh, to get people to use Reston more, particularly those that are using Central uh, Tunnel, uh, Cross Harbor Tunnel, uh, because they can actually take the Jimson, uh, I don't know the English name for that, you know, there's a tunnel going from uh, Taiwan to Chinwan. Uh, so everybody coming from the uh, uh, you know the highway up north, uh, Toro Harbour can actually go through Taiwan, uh, go to Chunwan, and then take the Western Tunnel, and then because you have the bypass, you can get to Central. You know, pretty much uh, uh, very conveniently. So, therefore, there's no worry about uh, uh, the reverse effect of congesting Western Tunnel if they reduce it by too much. That's my position to government, but government. Uh, remains convinced that if they reduce the Western Tunnel uh, by too much, uh, it's going to end up congesting the Western Tunnel.
4: Well, your, your Ledgeco colleague, uh, Gary Chang, he, he said the new adjustments that proposed by the government may, it may even cause a congestion at all three tunnels. Is that what uh, you think as well?
6: No, I don't think so. Because the total is 120, as long as you don't touch the total. If they reduce the total from 120... Down to 110, uh, uh, 100. Then you're inviting people who used to take public transport to take uh, to now drive.
5: Okay, so the you know the f- franchise for the Western Tunnel is going to end in August next year. Do you see any opportunity for introducing new changes there? In terms government, of toll, in terms of government
6: reiterated to me that uh, this is a one-year trial, and then a year from um, next August. They're going to review the situation again, and they may make further changes to the 60, 30, 30, plus introducing uh, a time-based uh, fair adjustment. For example, peak, non-peak, holiday, weekend, that sort of thing. My response to them is that if you do not create impact the first time round, and you separate into two times, you end up actually... Having a worse result, meaning uh, you've adjusted the fares but uh, the congested pattern remains the same.
5: So, how how viable is this peak non peak um, adjustable charges? Just charge more during peak hours? Uh,
6: I think uh, they should not, uh, they they should actually uh, significantly reduce fares for the evening. And a holiday uh, when these tunnels are underutilized, I see no problem with that. Because tunnels are made for people to use, and people uh, should be allowed or have the freedom to drive or take public transport as long as it doesn't create nuisance to others, for example, congestion. So on holidays and uh, off peak hours, they should actually substantially reduce fare. Uh, because there's no need, there really is no need to keep the same uh, uh, fee or the same fare level uh, uh, through the 24 hours every day.
4: All right, so we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's our roundtable lawmaker, Michael Tian. It's now 26 minutes past nine and it's time for our World Cup Roundup. Good morning, Atom. I guess the highlight is really the match between Argentina and Poland?
8: That's right. So Argentina beat Poland 2-0 to progress as group winners. Uh, Both teams actually progressed to the last 16. I'll get to that in a moment. This match was billed as Lino Messi versus Robert Lewandowski. But neither of them scored a goal. Messi actually missed a penalty, but it was Alexis McAllister scoring his first international goal to put Argentina up, and then the young Julian Alvarez scoring on his first start in the World Cup to give Argentina a 2-0 win. Now, why is it that Poland lost but still qualify? Well, they finished second in the group because Mexican Uh, the Mexicans had a worse uh, goal differential so it was really interesting right after the game the Poland players were standing around waiting for the Mexico game to finish Uh, at that time Mexico were up 2-0 on Saudi Arabia and the Mexicans needed to score a third goal to move ahead of Poland that didn't happen Saudi Arabia ended up scoring and then So basically, the Polish players had to wait like 10 minutes after the game was over to find out, hey, we're also through to the last 16. So as it looks, Argentina will play uh, Australia uh, on Saturday in the last 16, and Poland will play France. Australia beat Denmark 1-0 on a really nice goal by Matthew uh, Leckie, who plays his club football in Melbourne. And uh, France lost their last game, but it's okay. I mean, they were already qualified before the match, so... That's okay. But uh, nice to see Australia through the, the first time uh, into the knockout stages uh, in the World Cup for, I think, 12 years.
5: So so, so, which team will you put your money on this again?
8: You mean for tonight? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I think the Germans are desperate. Okay, so let, let's preview tonight's games, okay? So Germany have to win to have any chance of progressing. They are the most desperate team of all the teams tonight. So I would put money on them, But a win isn't enough for them. They also need to hope Spain can beat Japan. And I'm not sure if I'll put money on Spain because they're in a pretty safe position. Um, If they win their game against Japan, I'm talking about Spain. If Spain beats Japan, they'll win the group. But I'm not sure how motivated they are to win the group because the other two teams in the other group that they're facing, they're, they're kind of wobbly. Whereas Japan are a pretty good team. So we'll see if Spain will do Germany a favor, but I'm not betting on it. Now, now I'll get to the other group. Uh, You've got uh, Croatia playing Belgium in Group F. The winner of this game will definitely progress. A draw will be enough for Croatia. Belgium are the world number two team. So if they miss out, they'll be massively disappointed. And uh, Morocco can also advance with a win. And if Morocco do better than Belgium tonight, that means Belgium are out. All right,
4: Adam, let's find out what happens uh, tomorrow. Um, thanks again for giving us uh, this update. No uh, that's uh, RTHK's uh, sports correspondent, Adam Chung. Many thanks also to you who uh, commented or emailed us today and of course to our guest presenter, Jenny Lam and our producer, Yuki. Now, here's the weather. Cloudy with one or two rain patches. Temperatures in the urban areas will linger around 16 degrees during the day and it will be a couple of degrees lower in the new territories. Winds moderate to fresh north to northeasterly is occasionally strong offshore. Right now it's 16 degrees, relative humidity 78%.
1: Cannabis is a drug. Cannabidiol or CBD
3: is from cannabis and may harm your health too. From February 1st, 2023, CBD will be a dangerous drug under the law. It will be illegal to possess or trade CBD products and cannabis in Hong Kong without permission. If you have CBD products, you may submit them to any of the 10 disposal boxes by January 30th, 2023. Visit nd.gov.hk for details. CBD, not for me. Let's
0: stand firm. Knock drugs out.
4: It's nine thirty. The news with Todd Harding.
0: President Xi Jinping has hailed the late Jiang Zemin as an outstanding leader, strategist, and diplomat. Mr. C said state leaders would turn.